Global Yeoman and welcome to another episode of the Pod Well Travelled. Today I'm joined by travel writers Moens Johansson and uh, Penny Thomas. Now Penny, we'll start with you. We're going to talk to Moens in a moment about Samoa, which is pretty exciting and somewhere we don't get to go to that often. But first of all, Penny, because you're freshly back from Singapore and a very exciting dining experience, let's hear from you first. How was the trip? Yeah, it was really, really beautiful to get back to Singapore. Um, the last time I was there was in April last year. Mm. It was a little bit different. We're all sort of wearing masks and everything. Yeah. And there weren't a lot of travellers at that time. But mm. this time it was it was really busy. It felt like there was a few conferences on. Wow, there was people everywhere. And it was... Yeah, humming again. So, so nice. yeah, so noticeably different between just just because of the, the obviously with all the restrictions lifted and everything and yeah, and it just felt like I don't know. I feel like Singapore is quite an attractive mm. place for people to visit at the moment, especially if you're from Australia or other sort of nearby countries. It's, yeah, it's not too far. It feels quite safe, and mm. um, there's actually quite a lot to do as well. Um, I was just there for the from Thursday through to Sunday evening, mm. so it was a quick trip. But yeah. So primarily to check out the the dining experience at Jan. Yes, um, but a few other things around that. Yeah, as there were well. a few other things. I'll, I'll get to Jan in a moment, yes, I guess. Of course. But um, what I found quite interesting was I went to Sentosa for a, for a day, mm-hmm. and um, they actually had the giants there from Thomas Dambo. So they've got a, a, a few of the giants that we've got down in Mandra. Oh, at the, moment. the same. Yeah, sure. So I thought that was quite fascinating. Mm. And they do this little explorer trail so you can um, go and have a look and try to find them. And there's one drinking a, a glass of wine on a beach and it's yeah, all really cute yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. you would expect. Mm. Um, and yeah, so that was a bit of a surprise for me to see those. And they're actually extending their stay there mm. um, because it's been so popular. So if anyone is, is there in the next sort of couple of months, it's worth checking out. Um, and the other thing... Um, I thought was quite interesting was before I left I spoke to Stephen just briefly and I said I was catching up with a friend um, in Singapore whilst I was there mm. and she's um, Pranikin mm. so she was going to take me to eat some Pranikin food and he said you must go and check out the Pranikin Museum which is in Singapore mm-hmm. and I looked it up and they were shut but they were reopening after a, a four-year restoration project right. on the 17th of February so I quickly emailed them to see if I could come in and have like a quick sneak peek mm. of the museum and mm. luckily they were able to so I went there on a Saturday morning and it was wonderful to see mm. I guess the restoration of the building they did sort of show me images as well of what it looked like previously but the amount of items they're sort of exhibiting within the museum is incredible mm. and to just mm. learn about the culture and it's a real mix of um, or hybrid I guess of Chinese, Malay, Indian, Middle Eastern and then sort of Western yes. cultures all yes. in one but what I found quite surprising was I noticed my friend would spell Pranikin with a, a, a little sort of P and I was going why isn't it capitalised like some people capitalise it some people mm. don't so mm. when I was at the museum I asked them about that and they said that that's actually one of the big questions they get when people do visit and now with this new restoration they really want to ask people that are visiting what they think of Pranikin culture yeah, and what yeah. it means to them because some people think of it as um, as a sort of key culture and theme and, and some people think of it as like a lifestyle as, as well so it's quite it's quite interesting to see what your perspective is as okay well. so, so presumably lifestyle the lifestyle angle will give you the lowercase p and the, the identity and culture would be the uppercase yeah. p wouldn't it yeah. yeah so and that was just something I wasn't uh, expecting but yes, it was great to sort of learn and, and then go through the museum as well on the bottom floor you sort of get all the origins um, about the culture and all the different cultures I guess that are involved and the heritage of of Pranikins um, and then the second floor is all homewares and um, different ceramics and everything which are just really beautiful mm. and then on the top floor is um, fashion and style and Stephen actually told me to look out for this one um, 
it's like a tablecloth that's that's huge but once you get really close it's made from little beads mm. and it was really spectacular and i saw that and it's been displayed so well and, and it just looks amazing once it's there so i've got some photos but hopefully i'll also get some more so you can see what it's like once the museum incredible yeah i mean it's up. interesting to know that it's been restored because I, I visited it many years ago when clearly it wasn't restored mm. so i'd be very interested to see what difference the restoration has made because it is a fabulous fabulous museum yeah mm. and it seems i think that they've got a few more donations from different families right, as well okay. throughout that time yes. so yeah, it, it was it was really interesting for me, and then I went out to dinner with my friend Chan and and to speak about it with her as well and what it means for her. So mm. yeah, it was just mm. a nice way to sort of tie everything together. But um, I guess Pranakan food is quite different to the type of food I was eating at Chan, which is so the, tell us about the main Jan. reason yeah. I was there. Um, so within well, up the very top of the Swiss Hotel Samford in Singapore is um, a restaurant called Jan, which has been there for multiple years, and mm. the actual name Jan means um, I think yeah like a, a bowl for food and stuff in Cambodian. Okay. But um, the current chef there didn't actually come up with that name. That was, I think two chefs have worked under that title, mm, but it's mm. just the, the name of the, the restaurant in the hotel. Um, the chef there at the moment is a fellow called Kirk Westaway, and he's um, actually from Devon in the UK. And he's been there, I think, for around six years now mm. in Singapore. Um, but they've just restored the restaurant even though he's been at John for a few years, he went through a big restoration, I think, during COVID and they've redone the restaurant. So it opened um, or reopened in December. So I was there to check out the restored restaurant and, and taste all the wonderful food that he offers there, which is actually a, a modern British cuisine, mm-hmm. um, which was really fascinating. We did the five-course um, meal there, which starts at around $208 for mm-hmm. for a lunch. And then you can also add um, a wine pairing if, if you wish as well. Um, but... We got to speak to to Chef Kirk at the very end of the the meal and it was fascinating to hear that when he first came over and I guess was working under the other chefs whilst he was sort of finding his feet and about to take over, mm-hmm. he wanted to to create something that was really special for, for Singaporeans as well. Um, but because he's from Devon, he, he only wanted to do what he really knows and that's, that's British cuisine, I guess. Mm. And even though he's worked in France and, and other places all around the world, he, he found he wanted to really create a niche sort of product and a lot of people were very apprehensive about, about that type of menu and he said that he really had to prove himself and there were nights that he was sleeping under the table at the restaurant just trying to perfect things and and you you can tell he's Mm. a real perfectionist Mm. um and it it has sort of shown he's he's been awarded two michelin stars for the restaurant Mm. and it it was it blew my expectations i think of what i probably thought british cuisine was Mm. um to what he's been able to to achieve there so it's definitely worth i think if you're a foodie it's it's well worth a visit i was surprised by the guests there, I think they can seat around 35 people in in the room um, and most of them were the locals to the mm. area. And he said that that's, it's usually 80% locals that they'll get. So to me, I thought, wow, Singapore's got such a variety of food and, and, and different sorts of cuisines that I would be attracted to. I never would have really thought I'll go for British cuisine, but the locals yeah. actually must really appreciate yeah. the, the difference, I guess, that they can Well, Well, well I guess if you think about it to them, it's probably exotic, mm, mm. you know, because they can have all that other stuff you know, all year round, anytime they want. But uh, suddenly in the last few years to have this British sort of cuisine come up mm. must be just really exciting for them, I guess. Yeah, mm. and it's the menu's fantastic in, in the sense of the way that he sort of mapped it out. A lot of it has um, sort of elements of nostalgia within it. So mm. you can be tasting something and, and the conversation just sort of, 
organically starts to flow around the table because yeah, of the right. nostalgia people get and go, I remember tasting this when I was a child or, or this reminds me of my grandma's garden or all these different parts. So that was quite a nice um, – you can tell that the, a lot of thought has gone into it. So, 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 what, what's uh, you know, what, what's an example of some of the dishes? Because I'm just thinking, like, you know, chips and mushy peas at the moment, yeah. as being classic <laughs> yeah. British, you know, pies or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of my favourite dishes was like a goose mousse, um, little sort of pastry thing that we got ve- right, maybe in okay. the first sort of couple of um, meals, and yeah. that was something that even Chef. Uh, Kirk sort of came out and explained at the mm, end and said that mm. that's one of his favourite things because in a lot of pubs in the UK you'll get this type of like goose mousse and sort of cranberry or sort of chutney sort of dish and he said it's really basic over there but he wanted to do it in a way that it sort of blows your mind here and mm, it really did mm. and that was just something that was smooth and delicious and I could eat a thousand of them I think the other one that I really loved was the guinea fowl um, that he also does and just a lot of the sauces as well that go with all the meals is mm, incredible mm. the desserts were were amazing and um, also just the bread and the butter. The butter has flown in from Devon as well. He has all this time that he sort of puts with it and the rye sort of um, bread that we we mm. ate was just delicious mm. as well. So mm. you couldn't fault anything for me. It was it was great. Um, and, yeah, it seems that a lot of people were, were enjoying themselves too. I think before he had a longer booking time, so you could book in quite easily, but now mm. it's just, I think, two months in advance because of – um, they just need to be able to sort of prepare and, and also sure. make sure their bookings are good. But, yeah, they, I think they used to do longer times. Um, you could book in sort of three or four months in advance, but they yeah. cut that a bit shorter now. And, and, and just for people who, who are listening, he might have you know certain dietary requirements. I mean, mm. I guess it goes along with his perfectionism and his ability to focus very you know, reasonably narrowly within that. He doesn't really cater for different requirements outside of vegetarian. There is a vegetarian menu, but, yeah. but if you're looking for gluten-free or vegan or whatever – yeah, they're not really that sort of you no, know, on board it's, with it, that. Yeah, he seems to be quite, I guess, particular with the ingredients and, mm. and um, products that they're sourcing as well. So yeah, there is um, a few sort of boundaries that he well, he doesn't sure. sort of cross. Um, I was saying before that I have a slight intolerance to egg, and one one option mm. on the menu was it, mm. um, a hen's egg, which mm. I guess is just an egg. Um, but that dish came out spectacular for everyone else. I was given a substitute in that mm. moment. But yeah, he, there's not a but lot. Generally, of they wouldn't do that for, yeah. for normal customers. Yeah. Uh, oh, that one always will be substituted oh, for some okay. reason. That one is. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but if you were lactose intolerant or anything like that, there's not much room to try. Move go there. somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the view up up the very top there. It's mm. on level seventy, so it's. Mm. I find it's actually one of the best views in Singapore for me. Yeah. It, that the Swiss Hotel there, because you do get to look out and see the Marina Bay Sands sort of building, which I find is just such a fascinating mm. building. Mm. And when you line it up perfectly, the the top of the building really looks like one of the cargo ships floating off in the distance. Yeah. And yeah. then you've just got this sort of yeah one eighty view of 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 the harbour there, and you yeah, get you could people watch for ages, and mm. it, it, a lot a lot of the um the venue's design has been built around the view as well. But because beforehand everyone wanted to sit right near the windows, yeah. Kirk was explaining that he's worked a lot with the designers to create the space that you actually want to sit further back a yeah, bit yeah, and sure. be amongst it. And it's amazing how they've mm. done that with the colours and the interior mm. and, mm. and everything's been really thought out and, and done it in that way that you feel like the 
the seats in the centre of the venue were actually the better seats to have. Mm. So it's really smart how they've done that and tried to reinvent how mm. a, a normal sort of high-end restaurant would, would function. Mm. So, wow, yeah. what an amazing trip. Yeah. So we can expect to read all about it and look at some of your pictures in, in a future edition. We yes. haven't planned this yet. Yes, and we've got a Singapore guide coming up as well, which oh, we'll wow, be compiling. So there's lots, lots to chat about Singapore for people that are interested in, in going. So in the meantime, Moans, we'll turn to you now because you've got a, a feature this weekend. Yep. Poised, right. ready yes, to go. ready to go, yeah. And you're going to take us where? Uh, to Samoa. Uh, and, uh, Somewhere completely different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and it, it was a, a place that was really sort of unexpected to me in several different ways. But uh, first of all, we weren't supposed to arrive in Apia, mm. the capital, Which where is capital we ended. Western Samara, I believe. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. We were supposed to go to uh, Pago Pago, and mm. uh, there was a late change. So anyway, uh, even more surprising because of that, because it happened at r- fairly short notice. Yeah. Uh, there was an amazing uh, welcome to us uh, as we we pulled alongside at the wharf. There, uh, a large group of uh, uh, singers, dancers, mm. uh, band, mm. and that sort of stuff were performing sort of mm. traditional Samoan songs and so on, uh, all dressed up. It was just a, a welcome like I've never experienced before coming on a, a cruise ship. Mm. So uh, that in itself was pretty spectacular. Um, and the uh, the city of Apia is, is, a, is a lovely place as well. Um, it's fairly compact, so it's easy to sort of walk around and, and uh, experience at, mm. your, at your own pace, mm. which is uh, what I chose to do initially. Um, and uh, just so walking from the, the uh, container terminal where, where we were birthed uh, is only about two kilometers i think to the center of town mm. so it's not very far and you mm. walk along this sort of promenade uh, uh, along the bay there uh, but one of the most sort of striking buildings that you you notice as soon as you come into um port is the uh, cathedral of immaculate conception mm. uh and it's a you know from the outside it's a pretty striking looking building okay. and but inside is just amazing really? uh, I mean, you've seen the pictures, Will. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, incredible. Mm. Uh, you know, there's definitely sort of unique Samoan influences with lots of uh, woodwork. You know, the whole ceiling is uh, is a work of art in itself with, uh, with the way that's sort of like parquetry style just about. Yeah, 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 uh, sure. And uh, with lots of, of uh, you know, unique, uh, delicate details and that mm. sort of stuff. So um, if you're ever in that neck of the woods, don't miss going inside <laughs> even <laughs> okay. if you're not really a churchy person mm. uh you know getting inside will just blow your mind um the the rest of the town is like uh you know it's it it didn't have the sort of feel that the, you know it was particularly touristy and uh you know you get in some places where you know there's lots of tourist shops and mm. that sort of stuff you didn't sort of get that feel there it was uh you know just a an average functioning sort of Pacific Island town, you mm. know, uh, that's, uh, you know, charming in its own way, but, but uh, and you discover some real sort of gems. There's a lovely uh, farmer's market there, which I, I visited, uh, and uh, also with, uh, uh, they also sell sort of wood carvings and mm. clothing and mm. all that sort of stuff. So that's a great way to, or a great place to sort of explore. 
um, and uh, you know just just to sort of chat to the locals they're all really happy to to sort of uh, see you and mm. uh, you know it's it had a lovely feel to it uh, is is perhaps you know it was just a place you sort of really can't help but falling in love yeah, with in a yeah, way because wow. it's it's sort of uh, charming and not too touristy um, we did take uh, later in the day uh, a little tour up to a um, uh, place called Villa Velima. Uh, mm. It was the home of uh, the Scottish sort of author and poet uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, mm, mm, mm. Uh, who wrote Treasure Island yeah, and, of course. and uh, sort of the yeah. tale of Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. I think it was as well. Um, so uh, he he, you know, due to ill health basically uh, in in his life he was searching for a place that was suitable for his uh, his medical conditions he was a very heavy smoker which i'm sure didn't contribute mm. uh, or contributed a lot to his his uh, health woes but um he long story short he basically built this really stately home uh up in the hills just behind uh, behind apia there and uh, it's a it's a lovely place it's a like set out as a museum uh and uh, you know each room is as they would have lived in it mm. so there's his smoking room and his wife's yeah, room yeah. and his daughter's uh, his uh, son's room and so on um so it's a really sort of uh, unique insight into to his life in samoa but what was also interesting is that you know how how the Samoan people sort of embraced him, uh, you know, as a, a as a white man mm. uh, arriving there, and he obviously deeply respected their culture and so on, which I'm sure contributed to that. But um, he uh, he is actually buried uh, on a hill uh, just up from from his home there. Mm. So uh, mm. uh, yeah, it's a. It was an interesting insight into uh, into his life at Samoa. Uh, the only th- thing I was, uh, you know, being on a cruise ship, you have one day there, you know, so you by the time you've explored the town and you've been out to mm. uh, 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 Stevenson's home, uh, there wasn't a lot of time to sort of shoot out because there was a few really sort of spectacular natural attractions like uh, waterfalls and beaches and that sort of stuff i would have loved to have yeah, seen but have you know the there just wasn't enough time yeah, but yeah. if if you are in in samoa you know uh it, it uh, there's definitely a, a lot of different things to do mm. you know obviously that you can explore the the city yeah uh but there's also uh various museums uh and you know lots of natural attractions mm. as well mm. i believe you have some family connections to yeah. Well, my, my my mother's Samoan and well, was Samoan, and she um, was born in Apia. Yeah, and um, her grandfather, so my great grandfather, actually ran the hotel there, which was quite famous for a while because yeah, um, not least because Robert Louis Stevenson stayed there presumably while his house was being built. I don't know. Yeah, and he mentions my great grandfather in some of his letters as well. Oh, so I it's see. kind of yeah. interesting. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I've never been there. No, okay. So, look forward to going there sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's certainly a, an interesting place. I, I really enjoyed my my day there. Mm, I, I I'm glad sort you of, got uh, the opportunity. 
hope to go back there and, and experience it some more one day. Yeah, fantastic. Well, as I say, in the meantime, people can read all about it in this Saturday's. Is it yeah, Saturday or Sunday? Saturday, yeah, it's uh, Saturday, Saturday. Saturday's West Australian, the travel section. No, Sunday, isn't it? It's in Sunday. Sunday. Okay, so it's in the Sunday <laughs> Times travel section. Yeah. It's all it's all one big, you know. You can pick up two copies. And exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all worth reading. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the pod Well Travelled. And My we'll pleasure. catch up with you again in the future. Thank you. Thank you. 